This is the Unseminary Podcast. Stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Hey, happy Tuesday, everybody. It is Rich Birch here from the Unseminary Podcast. Hope you are doing great. Uh, we are trying something brand new today. Uh, I really enjoyed these Tuesday episodes because it's a chance to dive in on some content, some stuff we're talking about, and hopefully it's helpful for you as a church leader as you lead in your environment. But today, uh, I've got a brand new co-host. Her name is Christine Birch. You might recognize the last name. Uh, Christine is my wife. Welcome to the show. Hey, Rich. Thanks now, for taking a chance on me. <laughs> yes, thanks for taking a chance on me almost 24 years ago. Um, well, you know what? I The reason why I want to have Christine on is first of all she's amazing and second of all she's incredible uh background experience in the church world and we've been talking for a while i've been trying to convince her to join the podcast why don't you tell us a little bit about your background christine so uh when we were living in the u.s you were working at liquid church i had the opportunity to look to work there as well and so um i had a role at a campus i was a connections coordinator at one of our campuses and then since moving back to Canada, I've joined the team at Connexus Church, mm-hmm. and where I'm the Connections Director overseeing the um, connection of new guests and people into groups. Nice. Yeah. That's fantastic. So if people have been following the podcast for a while, they would know that I spend a lot of time thinking about church growth, really some of the front door issues. And I actually think most churches don't spend enough time thinking about the front door. But actually, you've spent most of your time, and, I, and from my perspective, are an expert on really the back door. How do we get people connected? So I like to say I create problems and you solve them. Uh, has, has that been what your experience has been like uh, over these years? I've definitely heard some things said on the podcast in the past that I'm like, oh man, that's going to mean we're going to have a conversation at dinner time. But that's <laughs> that's always good. It's inspiring. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, there's been even very practical situations where you've brought a whole lot of guests to my campus at Christmas time, for instance, and I've had to figure that out. Yeah, so that's that's really the dynamic we're trying to capture here. Uh, hopefully, it'll be really balancing both sides of the conversation. How do we both grow our churches or our campuses, and how do we help those people get connected? If again, if you've listened for a while, you'll know I'm not just obsessed about the front door. I really do think that churches need to connect with people. But frankly, there are times where I'm like, ah, I would just kind of channeling what Christine thinks and says. So I'm so excited. Thank you for joining the podcast uh, for being a part of this. And so these episodes will generally be on Tuesdays. So excited for that. And today we've got really our first run. So thanks for sticking around, folks, if you're uh, listening in all the way to the end. So, Rich, what are we talking about today? What's the title of this week's article? So this week's article is Five Fears About Reopening, uh, you know, about reopening that church staff aren't telling their leaders. Uh, this really has been a strange season for, you know, the, for those people working in the local church. You know that if you're working in a local church. Uh, you know, just a few months ago, we all made this pivot, right? We went from, uh, we were mostly uh, in the physical world, and then we pivoted to being online. And, you know, at that point, uh, you know, we thought it was only going to be a few weeks. You remember that? I, I really do remember when we were I was on a, a missions trip in Guatemala and I remember when we got like evacuated out of the country and all that and I remember thinking like oh like this is just going to be a couple weeks well we found out it's not a couple weeks it's been really a few months uh, and I think we thought at that point that that transition was was a really tough one but frankly I think we're going into a much tougher transition as we look to reopen and obviously we're starting to see this across uh, North America you know I love church leaders and one of the things in this season I've had a chance to talk to a lot of church leaders across the country. And 
I really think that there are people working for your church. If you're a senior leader, executive pastor, you know, lead pastor, that kind of thing that have some fears about reopening. And so today I want to open up some of those fears to help you as a senior leader. Cause, cause maybe, uh, you know, there's some conversations you should be having with uh, your people. So that's really the heart, the spirit behind today's article. All right. So the first fear that you wrote about is I don't like crowds anymore. And this is an interesting one for me because if I'm honest, I've, I've been joking that I've been listening to live music more um, because I miss hearing multiple people sure. singing together. I miss <laughs> right. a crowd, but I can identify with this fear because just recently I was on a walk with our daughter. It was one of the first nice days. There were more people out than normal. Mm -hmm. And both of us were like, oh, this feels strange. Like maybe right. we should walk a different way. All of so a sudden, true. I found myself kind of not fearing a crowd, but being uncomfortable in a crowd. Oh, totally. Well, and I had the same thing. We were, this was, I don't know, a week ago or so. And uh, we went to Ikea, love the big blue box. And, uh, you know, they had out in front of Ikea, they had this, uh, for folks that are listening in, they had, it was it looked like a stanchion at a Disney World Park. It was like, wow, this is going to be fun. You know, I hope the ride is good. Uh, and, <laughs> it was hot that day too. Yeah, so. it was really hot. And, you know, we went through that. And actually, I found that quite fun. You know, it was kind of fun, you know, looking around, seeing people in their masks, all that. But then I found, I walked in, you know, if you've been to Ikea before, we actually, we skipped the upstairs part where you go through all the different rooms which normally I like, but we thought, man, let's not do that. And we went just into the kind of warehouse part. The marketplace. The marketplace. Right. Thank you. Thank you. And we stepped into the marketplace in the, in the like silverware section. And, and there was not a lot of people, but maybe 30 or 40 people that I could see. And I, you know, you have that experience where you, you're, you're having an emotion and then you're, it's like you're outside of yourself watching yourself have that emotion. Um, I was nervous. I was frankly nervous. And I got thinking about the church leaders um, who are facing reopening and, you know, why while many of us are cheerleading the fact that we can figure out how to maximize the 30, 40, 50% of people that we can have, uh, I suspect that there are team members that are frankly worried uh, about being in crowds again, giving our staff the opportunity to distance themselves from our community as they arrive will be should be an important part of our opening plan. And you've probably seen some of this floating around on the internet where you know churches are coming up with even like stickers that kind of um, give away uh, how people are feeling about distancing. So like, you know, I'm a high fiver or, you know, I'm a hugger or I'm a stay six feet away or that kind of thing. We're going to want to be thinking about Hey, how can we help our staff feel in control of this experience? Because I think it, frankly, it will be fear inducing for some of them. Absolutely. All right. Secondly, uh, I'm done with church online. Oh yeah. So a few weeks ago, it was a Sunday morning at our house and uh, I, it was peace. I was enjoying a Sunday morning at our place. We were, uh, you know, making some great uh, blue or I was making some pancakes with some fresh blueberries. Uh, and where I came back into our room, kind of we in our living room where we've been watching church online on a big screen. And, you know, there was a deep heaviness that kind of came over me at that point. And I realized, man, this is just just not great. Like, can I just, can I call that out? I know, listen, we've been cheerleading church online in this environment and we've been saying, Hey, this is an important pivot. And there'll be people who we're reaching that we haven't been able to reach before. But I suspect there are people in our churches, even our staff who frankly are done with this whole digital experience. They, you know, and, and we've got to watch that while, um, you know, we're communicating as senior leaders, how important this shift is that there are frankly people in our staff that are done with it. Now, this is the 
opportunity I think this creates for us. I think we all need to acknowledge that church online digital ministry does have some shortcomings. It's not a replacement for a normal Sunday morning experience. It's close, but it's not a full replacement. Rather than pushing that away, what if we gathered our people together, our staff together, and maybe some other trusted volunteers and said, hey, can we just acknowledge that we've just gone through whatever it is, 12 weeks, 10 weeks of a church online experience, and it wasn't everything that we hoped it to be. And maybe until rather than just jumping back into, hey, we're fully, you know, on board with the kind of in-person experiences, what if we could learn from uh, people's dissatisfaction, our staff's dissatisfaction with church online to make it better for the future. Because I, I do think that we're not going back. There are people who um, won't come back into our in-person experiences. They will engage with us online going forward. And there's an opportunity for us to reach people online. Uh, so what is it about church online that's been so dissatisfactory? How uh, do we? How can we change these things for future waves of the pandemic as they come back? And also uh, for those people who would never enter our church doors who have connected with us online. I think there's a real opportunity there for us. Yeah, it's interesting because as effective as online church is, we know that we are extending our reach in this season. Mm -hmm. There's quite frankly going to be a segment of every church staff team that got into this gig because they love people. Right. They love face to face. Right. The people people. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And and particularly people in a role like mine, that's that's why we do this thing. And so we know it's effective, but at the same time there's definitely going to be staff members who are feeling dissatisfied with the type of ministry they've been able to, you know, participate in over the last oh, little absolutely. bit. Oh, absolutely. You know, I used to uh I used to love the buzz of game day, right? There's this idea of like, hey, we're building up to this thing that happens on the weekend at our churches. And and for the most part, that has been mitigated with a digital church experience. You know, it's done in pieces throughout the week if we're pre-recording or it's a very small team that's engaged with that. And it doesn't have the, frankly, it's more predictable in one way rather than the impredictability of like something going, you know, off the rails and all of those things, you know, while there may be secondary gains are a part of the reason why people got into, uh, you know, doing church. And I think we've got to, we've got to be sensitive to that. I think as senior leaders in this, in this time. All right. Third, I work in kids ministry. We're opening without my area. What does that mean? All right, leaders, I hope you listen in and lean in on this one because I, I think this has been a bit of, uh, well, a bit of a uh, a bugaboo of mine. Can you say that bugaboo? Is that like an old person saying? That is I, a weird old person saying. <laughs> okay. One of the saddest things I've seen in this reopening process, in this phase, is that some churches across the country are planning uh, on opening without any form of kids ministry. Uh, the not so subtle message that you're sending to your kids ministry team is when you're opening without kids ministry is that they, what they've suspected all along is true. They think when you open without kids ministry, that kids ministry is nothing more than babysitting so that adults can sit freely in the main room. Over the years, we've used language in our churches that has caused our kids ministry people to be suspicious of whether we think that kids ministry is just second best or second rate to what's happening in adult world. If your church is looking at opening without kids ministry, frankly, I think you're making a grievous strategic error. 
You know, kids ministry has always cultivated some of the most innovative church leaders. Uh, and if you're launching without them, you're going to lose their innovation in this season. Uh, kids ministry is a growth engine. And one of the major reasons why growing churches, frankly, are growing, it's hard to find a growing church that doesn't have a kids, a killer kids ministry. And we need that growth engine in this season to reopen with a kids ministry uh, to without a kids ministry, I would contest is actually not reopening your church. It is impossible. I would say to say you're open unless you're doing kids ministry. If you cannot open kids ministry, do not reopen your adult ministry. I'm as strong as that. I don't think you should be doing it. Uh, There are many strategic regions we should be considering the damage. Uh, In this case, I think there's some serious damage that could happen to your teen leaders, frankly, uh, if they see us go ahead without uh, kids ministry. Too strong, Christine. What do you think? Uh, That's, you know, some, that's some fighting words there. I can already hear the emails coming in. Uh, I don't want to disappoint leaders. I'm not trying to discourage you, but I do want you to think clearly uh, on that issue. What do you, what do you think? Well, I think a couple things you said there. Yes. Some of the most creative people uh, on our teams that we've served on over the Mm -hmm. years have been our kids ministry people. They, if anyone can figure out how to do kids ministry in this type of environment, it is them. Right. But we need to defer to them. And and when I think about it, even as as a parent, I can't even imagine how kids ministry in this season would actually be fun. Right. And I want church to be fun for kids. Absolutely. Can I push back on something you said? Yes. You said language is important. Yes. You said in the main room. Oh, I'm such a terrible leader. So in our adult <laughs> auditoriums is what I've been. Good call. Yes. I've been nudged by um, kids ministry leaders yes. to say it's not the main room. Yeah. Good call. Good it's call. the adult auditorium absolutely. and um but there's yeah, some adult major... auditoriums and kids auditoriums absolutely that's yeah good. and there's some major ministry happening in those kids auditoriums or those kids environments yeah um, absolutely they might call those the main rooms yeah absolutely no it's true and and you know one of the things about church online again before all this happened one of my criticisms when people would say like hey what do you think of church online uh and i haven't frankly seen us solve it in this season has been kids ministry like um in in a fully digital world uh, it's hard to engage kids. It just is. Um, and we're seeing that repeatedly. And and we know that a large portion, I don't have the statistic in front of me, 80% of people become followers of Jesus before the age of 18, something like that. And and for our church to open up and to not have kids ministry, man, you are you're cutting out a significant kind of salvific in, in, you know, factor of the church. And so, uh, yeah, I just think it's a huge error to open without kids ministry. Uh, and, and to, and I think that's a good correction on the language between main auditorium and, uh, adult auditorium. Great call. <laughs> All right. Our fourth point, I'm tired, like really tired. Yeah. I'll say this again. This has been a very strange season for people who work in the local church. Um, and it's always strange, right? Like, uh, we know that uh, we've picked a strange career. We've picked a strange kind of um, thing to work in. Uh, it's it's always difficult to to work in a local church. Uh, but I would suspect that this last six, eight week, 10, six, eight, 10 weeks has been some of the hardest, uh, you know, there's that meme floating around that said, how is it that we have no public meetings or anything going on in the church building, but our staff are busier than ever before. I would suspect that in your church, many people haven't taken any vacation time in the last three months, uh, because uh, there frankly hasn't been anywhere to go. And the problem with that is we're pivoting into an incredibly busy time. Uh, and you know, we're, we're 
we're pivoting not into just another season, but really an inc increased complexity. We're going to have to be offering both in online and in-person experiences. We're going to have to be uh, dealing with a potential, you know, second wave. Uh, we're going to have to be dealing with, you know, increased frustrations um, and potentially, you know, financial pressure. And your people, your team is tired in this season. I would strongly recommend that you think through what you're going to do with vacation time in the coming weeks and months. Uh, you know, if we keep going at this rate, what's going to happen is people will have a cured, uh, you know, all their vacation time and they're going to come to you the third week of November, <laughs> right before Thanksgiving and ask for two or three weeks off. That's going to be a problem. Uh, so people need to, you know, people need time now. They need to push back, unplug, not worry about what's going on with the live feed or what's happening in the chat room or what's going on, you know, you know, in the digital ministry. They need a week or two of rest in this season to deal with the next normal. Uh, how can you help them set that up even in the coming uh, weeks? It's, it's a tough season for people. Yeah, it's interesting because I think of myself, um, again, people person, the energizing reopening experience. It's something to look forward to. But I think for those people that are kind of like in the same boat, I'm done with church online, like your second point, right. we have to watch that um, even though it'll be energizing for those people to kind of facilitate reopening and mm. anticipate the crowds, et cetera, because they missed that. Yep. I also, we know from people that have already reopened, it hasn't looked like what yes. it used to look like. And it could be discouraging. Yeah. Even more um, reason that people need to be rested going into that because it's not going to feed their soul right. like maybe it has in the past. Well, that's a good point. Like, you know, remember, remember maybe like a month after this whole thing started. So like mid-April, there were, the, again, floating around the internet, there were all those memes of like, you know... Um, you know, this is what it's going to look like in our church when it reopens. And it was like that video of Chris Farley going on to Saturday Night Live and it's like running around high five and everybody. And it's like, wow, this is great. Well, that's not what reopening is going to mm -hmm. be like. It's going to be a slow process. Like even just this weekend on Sunday, I had somebody text me a picture of the new normal and it was a giant auditorium, probably a five, 600 seat auditorium with these little clusters of, mm -hmm. you know, two, three seats here, two, three seats there, you know, maybe, you know, like maybe again, you know, five, 600 seats with maybe a hundred people in the room. And, um, you know, our staff, frankly, are going to have to produce more energy to make that a great mm -hmm. experience for that to feel like a good, positive thing. And if they go into that tired, uh, you're right. That is going to be a very discouraging Yeah, experience. when I picture that auditorium, I'm thinking about churches I have visited as guests that, quite frankly, weren't healthy. Right. It feels like it's dying. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> that's right? going to be discouraging. And that's like going to be most of our churches. Mm -hmm. That is how that reopening is going to go. There isn't going to be the big cathartic um, you know, reopening weekend. Like I, again, we thought that might be a case, but that's remember not when we thought be... that might be on Easter, <laughs> right? Or people were were saying like Easter should be July Fourth weekend or whatever. Like that's not going to happen. Like there isn't going to be in this season. There isn't going to be this big, you know, massive reopening. And so yeah, you're right. That's a good, very good point for people. All right, and our last point for today, I feel a little lost. Yeah, this is a destabilizing season. There's no doubt about at about that. There are people on your team today that are really not sure what to do next. The path is unclear. Uh, ministry in normal seasons is a bit destabilizing and, and uncomfortable because we're constantly dealing with people who have real issues 
And our job is to help take them closer to Jesus. That's just normal, right? We deal with broken people. Our job is to try to help them, point them back towards Jesus. That's hard. Uh, the wins are sometimes not entirely evident, right? You have that had that feeling, you know, church leader, where week in, week out, you're like, I'm not really sure. Is this working or not working? Again, just last week, I talked to a church leader who, you know, is a tough call. They were like, listen, I'm not sure this is worth it anymore. Like, this struggling. Like, hey, is this is this working? Is, is Does anyone care what we're doing? Um, and there are probably team members on your team today that frankly might be a little fearful to reach out to you, senior leader, and say, I'm not sure what work I should be doing right now. Because in doing that, they might perceive, and again, you're a good leader. You would never think this. But if a leader reached out to them, they're fearing if they actually say that, that, um, that, that what they might be responded with is like, if you don't know what to do, then like, why, why are you even on our team? And they might fear for their job. So what we need to do is open up a dialogue to say, hey, let's define what the next hundred days looks like. Let's define the next three months. Uh, I was on a call last week with Ken Costa for the Thursday show. Uh, and Ken, Ken was the, uh, the chairman of the board for uh, Alpha for a number of years. And uh, he was, he and I were joking about the three-year plan, the five-year plan that organizations have. And, and he said, I think wisely, he said, listen, no organization in this season should have more than a 90-day plan. You should get people together and say, this is what we're going to do for the next 90 days. And so in the same could be true in people's jobs. This is your job for the next 90 days. Now, it's not that we're saying at the end of 90 days, you're not going to have a job, but this is what you should be focusing on uh, in this season. I would encourage you, uh, senior leader, to have that kind of spirit with your people and to try to flesh out the people who might be feeling a little bit strange in this season and not knowing what to do next. Actually, I had the privilege of being in a meeting just like that um, just this past week where our lead pastor, Jeff Brody, took us through an exercise where we planned as a team, what's our goal right. for the summer? And uh, and actually, it was one of the first times we'd been together face-to-face mm-hmm. as a large team, and obviously in a safe way. But that was the best part about it is to think, oh, we're going to get to work on something Absolutely. together. Yeah, like people love to succeed, right? Like we, a part of what we have to do as leaders is give clear goals that people jump to and then succeed on and then be like, oh, wow, I feel great about that. There has been a lot of things that have felt defeating in the season. And so it's our job to try to define, okay, what what is the win in the next month here, next, you know, you know 90 days? All right. Well, we've talked about some great stuff today. I'm sure people listening have resonated with um, at least a couple, maybe all of these um, these fears. What's a good next step for our listeners? Well, in the bottom of this article, so if you check out uh, at unseminary.com, you can find this article at the bottom or in the show notes, just go down to the bottom, scroll down. You'll see there's a number of resources that we've provided you to try to help uh, in this coming season. So a template for one-on-one discussions. If you're looking for a way to structure the one-on-one conversations you're having, uh, I've got a couple conversations around or a couple resources around um, kind of the, t- the makeup of your team. So one is for leadership personalities needed on your team. And then there's two other resources, six thoughts on perfectionism and church leadership. This season is not a season where we can be perfect. And this may help. Uh, You know, I was thinking that article might be particularly good to stir that conversation. And then finally, uh, seven leadership tensions in growing churches. As I look back at that article, I'm like, man, the tensions in those are felt even more in this season than ever before. So I'd encourage you, uh, you know, to lean in and maybe check out some of those resources. Listen, church leaders, in times of great adversity, the church shines. I really do believe that you in your local church can make a huge difference in your community in this season. And, uh, you know, this is a season not to lose hope, not to lose faith, but to lean in, to rally your team together and say, hey, let's make a difference with what's in front of us right now. I think God's given your church a really unique opportunity in this season. 
Awesome. Thank you so much, Rich. And listeners, thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you've found this discussion helpful. You can find this and other articles at unseminary.com. <laughs>